Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Hi, welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I am Nicolene Peck and I'm joined here with my daughter Paige Peck. Hi, Paige. Hi. Paige is not going to be Paige Peck for very much longer. I can't wait. <laughs> Didn't you She's mention like, this last time? <laughs> I know. I'm just so excited. You know, there's something about when your child gets married and when they marry someone good, you know, when it's like they find such a great person and you just get this wonderful feeling like, ah, they did it. They found, I mean, that's got to be like one of the hardest things you ever do. Paige, you know that you've been in the dating world. It's yes. one of the hardest things you ever do, I don't like right? the dating world. It's finding that person. And so, and it's the, it's the pinnacle of your social life, by the way, when you find the person you're going to marry, that's the pinnacle of your social life. And so here you've got him. And so I'm just so excited. Anyway, it's so thrilling. We're planning a wedding right now. So fun. We won't talk about our wedding plans. That's boring. But anyway, (laughs) that's um, fun for us, but yeah, exactly. Well, so here at the teaching self-government podcast, we do talk about self-government things. Paige and I love to talk about relationships and issues facing the world and families all the time. That's one of our favorite things that we talk about. And we always look through these problems that we see around us or that other people bring to our attention through the lens of self-government. So Paige, what is self-government? How would you say it relates to life? Well, in teaching self-government terms, self-government is being able to determine the cause and effect of any given situation and possessing a knowledge of your own behaviors so that you can control them. So in English, that's basically saying that our behaviors, we you know choose between different things all the time for everything. And so if we are able to be able to see what's going to happen based on what we choose, based off of, you know, what principles we have and skills that we have, then we'll have a much better knowledge of how to handle things when they happen. Aha. So you're saying that it's being like more in the know, you, you know more, you're more educated about yourself, your behaviors, how to problem solve, you know more about where you're going, what you want, all that other kind of stuff. So you make proper decisions. And it's right. Like, and I'd say, I'd say, you, you know more about your, yeah. what? <laughs> well, cause like not everyone knows all the phraseology that we use and whatnot, yeah. but it's, yeah, it's knowing who you are, how you tend to react, knowing your emotions and being a, and knowing that you have skills that you can draw on and knowing that you are strong enough to draw on those even when emotions take over or try mm. to take over. So there's a strength in there. I like that. I like that you're bringing in strength because it absolutely is one of the strongest things a person can ever do is learn how to control themselves. Well, today we are going to talk about what motivates people to change. So we all want to change ourselves, right? I'm changing all the time. Even though I teach self-government, that does not mean I'm perfect, right? Constantly changing. Paige is changing. So we're changing ourselves. But we also sometimes want to help others to change, you know, like... Well, isn't my that husband, why people like my husband? <laughs> Maybe my husband. Maybe I would like him to change something. Maybe one of my children, I'd like them to change something, one of their behaviors. Maybe my neighbor. 
Maybe, but, you know, there's all, actually, I, I love my neighbor, but I, but I can love him and still think maybe something needs to change. You know, that can happen. So anyway, um, what actually motivates people to change? And then I think we need to also explore what doesn't. What makes it so that people don't get motivated to change that maybe sometimes we try to do. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But first, we have a tradition to talk about a fun family activity. So Paige, what do you got for us today? Today, because I've been having a craving, we're going to talk about baking as a family. I love that. <laughs> it's so fun to bake as a family. I know our, just... one of our favorites is we have a brownie recipe that we absolutely love that we make from scratch. It's actually made on the stovetop. Um, but then we also have a cookie recipe that we love making together. And usually with the cookies, more dough gets eaten than actual cookies. So true. One time I made these black bean brownies for my kids and my son, my oldest son is like, mom, I don't know what you got going here, but like you got some kale quinoa infested <laughs> brownie. What is it? I love the black bean brownies because I love healthy stuff. But my son is like, this is not the thing, mom. This is not what we <laughs> like to make. You know, there's something about a family and their treats, right? Like every family has their thing where they're like, this is our indulgence. This is our major oh, yeah. splurge. And when we make it together, it's so fun. Side note, black bean brownies are not the brownies I was talking about. No, 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 absolutely <laughs> not. Black These ones are sugar loaded. <laughs> Yeah, and the black bean brownies, not so much. No. Anyway, that's okay. <laughs> We're not sharing recipes today, so we will just stop it right there. But just know that baking together makes beautiful memories. And it also makes a mess. And you know what? Embrace that. It's okay it's to like have that. That just means that you're bonding with your family. That's why I don't have any qualms when I walk into a home and they're like, oh, so sorry, the kitchen's a mess. And I'm like, looks like you and your kids are having fun. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, I, I always like worry if I go to somebody's house and it's like too neat and tidy because then I'm like, oh no, they may not have very much fun here. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm messy. I'm not a messy person. In fact, my husband and I are actually really clean people. My husband really likes things orderly, but we don't get so particular that we but can't. But you really allow play. it to get messy when it's yeah. for bonding reasons and for educational reasons. Well, and plus, like, I'm just not going to spend my whole day cleaning. That ruins relationships. Yeah. It creates too much stress and anxiety. It puts your priorities where they shouldn't be. The priorities should not be on cleaning the mess, right? The priorities should be on the relationships. So that's where they need to be. Anyway, so mm -hmm. there we go. A little, you know, side note for you that has to do with baking cookies and anything else that is <laughs> yummy to your family. And if you're in England, biscuits, okay? Bake there biscuits. <laughs> All right. Great. Um, we love so our English about, friends. Oh, I do. I love England. When we did the BBC show, you know, it was so fun to compare all of our words and stuff like that all the time. <laughs> so much fun. Okay, so let's talk about what motivates people to change because most people want to change. Now, there's the random few that actually really don't want to change. And I've met a few of those before. They think there's absolutely nothing wrong with them. And sometimes when they hear about self-government, they're like, I don't need that. You know, somebody else needs that, but not me. But I suggest to you, everybody needs to be changed, to go through some change. That's part of the journey of life. In fact, when I tell my children, listen, when you're looking for the person to marry, look for a person who wants to become a better version of themselves. 
Look for a person who wants to change, who and wants to grow who, and progress. Yeah, brings out the better in you and sees the potential in you of where you can be. True. Yeah. Who knows you could become even better, right? So if the two of you are are on the road to becoming the best versions of yourself possible and you're ready to leave the undesirable behind and move on and find more of the desirable, more of the stuff that works and helps, then you're going to be off on a fantastic journey as a husband and wife. That's important because if there's someone who does not want to change, who's like, I don't want it. I don't care. Um, I like me the way I am and that's it. That makes it very difficult because if there's another person who's trying to improve themselves, they'll leave the other one in the dust and then guess what? You don't have that much in common. That's what occurs when one person does not want to change in a family. It, it actually makes it so that they become an island and nobody else can bond to them very well because they're all like, we want to change. We want to do better. We're doing good. We're making these positive changes. And the other person is like, huh? And so then, and so they put this wall all the way around themselves and nobody can actually bond in. So yeah, I would say they kind of become an anchor that doesn't move while the ship is trying to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. So we want to talk today about what does motivate people to change. But I think at first it's really good for us to look at what people commonly try. Okay. And, and these things that don't work. Right. So that's important. Um, Lots of times parents are looking for this angle, right, for how to change their children. Or, or maybe you're looking for the angle for how to change the husband. I know a person, <laughs> I know a woman who she complains about her husband. It's like, uh, I don't know, triannually. Okay, so like I see, <laughs> it's not even a term. Wow. Tri- <laughs> tri- I know, we're just going to sit and giggle now. Okay, so triannually, was it say about three times a year, I see this person and she will just be on this total, my husband, my husband, I might leave my husband, you know, because he won't lift a finger and he won't do anything. And so she's always telling me. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so all of a sudden it's like, she feels like, oh, she has to just tear him apart in front of other people, Okay or behind his back. What happens to her if she talks bad about him behind his back? Let's not even talk about what happens to him. What happens to her? She only sees the negative things about their relationship. And so does everyone else. Yeah. So she actually drives herself further away from him by talking bad about him to somebody else. Mm -hmm. It's not a therapeutic thing. It doesn't help to spend your time just talking bad, right? Well, yeah, because then you're kind of like mentally making a decision that you're not going to be kind and charitable towards that person. You certainly wouldn't be grateful for them. No. Right? You're certainly not looking for the good things that they do. Because everyone does good, no matter how small it may be. So true. And if you can't show gratitude for a person, you actually don't have good love. Because gratitude is one of the, the key languages of love and a good gratitude fosters love too. If you have your, if you have a hard time, you're like falling out of love with somebody kind of, but you don't want to be start finding things you're grateful for, for that person, you know, make That's a list, a really tell thing. them in person. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. There's lots of things you can do. So some people will talk bad about someone to somebody else. Some people will talk bad about people right in front of others. So right in front I've of the seen- people they're talking bad about. Yeah, right in front of them. And, and sometimes I wonder, why in the world do they do this? And then I think, you know, parents sometimes are looking for an angle to change their children. So let's talk about parents and children for a minute. And mm-hmm. by the way, this can apply to anybody. It can, 
It can even apply to ourselves. If we talk bad about ourselves in front of other people, okay? This <laughs> That's can called even, seeking negative attention. It is, but it also convinces ourselves that we aren't good. It's like not a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to, and it, oh, it's, it really drags people down when you sit and talk bad about yourself. It's not a good thing to do. So parents oftentimes look for different angles, but let's talk about parents and children here for a minute. Sometimes I think parents think, hmm, maybe if we can add a little competitiveness, then the child will change. Maybe if I get them comparing themselves to their sister or themselves to the neighbor, the neighbor does something so good, maybe my child will want to do it better or something like that. And they start picking these little angles. And by the way, anything that's an angle like that is a manipulation because it's, it's you trying to... I mean, you're trying to motivate, but also just trying to create an emotion in somebody that isn't the right way to do it. It feels manipulative, even though you're trying to motivate the person. Right. And it kind of skews the perspective of what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. So a woman, a a friend of mine actually sent me this and I just want to read it. And this has to do with, you know, maybe, maybe it's a competitive thing. Maybe it's just public shaming because a parent is frustrated with somebody else. I don't know, but I want you to just listen to this and see if maybe you've seen this type of behavior before. And she asked me if maybe um, I would do a podcast on this topic and I, I have to honestly say, I don't always take requests, <laughs> but on this one, I thought, yeah, that's I what the I support would. calls for. <laughs> exactly. I do support calls every week. That's where I'll answer anything. And I will talk to you about anything. Yeah, but this is a good topic. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So this is what she says. I keep seeing one of my neighbors talk negatively, especially about one child in front of others, including that child and siblings. Their kids are young toddler age, but I worry for them. I don't think they recognize where it will or could lead. They label her as mean because the child will randomly hit her siblings, etc. I would love to find something that I could share that might help them understand that labeling their child is not going to encourage the child to be different or better because that's who or what they believe mom and dad think they are. That child did it once, has received parents' attention for it, and continues. They also say she is a stone wall to discipline and almost mocks them when she's disciplined. The other thing is they think and express that one of their older children is the nicest, most obedient child ever in front of others, including their children. So this doesn't help the younger one, I'm sure. What are your thoughts on how I could help them? Oh, what a kind neighbor. I know. That's what I think, too. I'm like, you know, see, most people, if you brought this up to them, they wouldn't be able to take it, right? No, not today. Not today. No, because people don't know the skill for how to accept criticism. That is one of the four basic skills that all people need to learn. And it's a great skill to have. It means that if someone actually talked to you about this, you'd say, wow, you know, let me see. Let me think about that. I, I'm glad you care about me enough to bring that up, you know, because maybe the parent isn't seeing what they're really doing. In fact, my, my guess is they are not seeing. I bet you that parent is just frustrated 
that they've got this one child, maybe even embarrassed in public that it's like this one child just doesn't behave well. Maybe it's a boy, maybe it's a girl, but this other child seems to be just amazing. So maybe I will point everybody's attention there so that I'm not so embarrassed, so that I don't feel like such a failure. Or so that maybe it looks the, good on me, yeah. Maybe they're overwhelmed, you know, and they don't know what else to do. So maybe they're actually secretly asking for help. They're like kind of reaching out, like, could you help me, could you help me? But everybody's like, I don't want to touch that because maybe they don't know what to do. Or maybe they're like, can they really take it if I do try to help them, you know? You never know where somebody's at and not, like I said, not everybody's ready to take criticism, but I look at this yeah. and I think this person who wrote this was incredibly insightful. Um, so she's saying, I don't, I don't think that, that the parents are, are recognizing where this behavior could lead. So these children that are this, well, this one child that it's like, you're the mean child and this other child behaves perfectly. And all of this is shared just in front of, you know, in the general public. Yeah. Neighbors and other siblings and everything. So gossiped about. Yeah. Right in front of the child, that child being labeled like that can actually take that on as a truth. Like her identity could actually get damaged. And a lot of people don't realize that. It's true. And labels like that actually affect performance. I mean, if that's a way to put it. So like, you know, I work retail and, um, I've heard some of my managers complain about different cashiers or, you know, whoever else. And if that ever gets back to them, I can see it, you know, affect their performance. They're like, oh, they're so slow. They become slower or, you know, oh, you know, they're so fast. And so that person tries to go for even faster. And so it's, it, you know, labels like that really do affect what a person thinks about themselves or about how they're doing and performing and behaving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what happens to a child when you say, oh, you just have the most amazing singing voice, then they're going to be like, oh, and they're going to like, just go to more singing because they're going to want to do it. But if you say to them, you're just not good at math, you know, you're just not. And they don't even try. Then they're like, I'm not good at math. And their whole life, they're not going to, I'm not good at math. I'm not good at it but they actually might be decent at it. It could just be the mm -hmm. way it was presented mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And, and so people take those on. In fact, I had a foster daughter who was a kleptomaniac and everyone kept labeling her a thief, a thief, a thief, a thief. In fact, one of her step parents even started hanging signs around some of the children. These children had been severely abused and these signs said stuff, like I stole and stuff. I mean, you know, and, but this, this foster daughter, I was trying to help her see, you can conquer this. I know you can, we can work on it. Anything can be mastered. We just got to put a diligent effort. We'll make a plan. This is what we're going to do. And she looked right at me completely serious. And she said, you don't understand. I'm a thief. My mom taught me how to do it and I'm good at it. And I went, Oh no. She's been through foster placement after foster placement. She's had people in the family. All these different people tell her, you're a thief. Probably friends have said, you're a thief. Her abuse was so severe, she started developing kleptomania, and her mother did teach her how to do it and made her steal for her. So this was a very severe situation that this child had. But I looked at her and She thought, had accepted it as part of her identity. She did. 
She did. And we had to work very hard. Luckily, she she was able to do some great effort in conquering it. Now, do I know for sure she conquered it for her whole life? I don't know. Um, but I do know she made some great success on it in my home, but it took us a while just to cross the hurdle of, no, you're not a liar. That's, you don't have to just take that as part of who you are. And it's not a good thing. Okay. Even though some people use the term good liar, which they shouldn't, those two don't go together. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I think this, there's some great insight here. Um, it could lead to taking on a negative persona of themselves. It could also, here's another thing it could lead to, the siblings pulling rank on each other and thinking each other is better and actually having strained sibling relationships. It mm-hmm. can make that person who's mean not have as many, well, who is, she's not mean. Why did I say that? But who the, the parent says is mean, it could make that child have less friends outside of the family as well. Because if you're sharing it openly, if this person is a neighbor or a friend or somebody, clearly they're sharing it openly. Well, does everyone want their child to play with that mean child? You know? Well, and if you keep saying that, you know, oh, yeah, this child is mean. And if the child then accepts like, oh, yeah, I'm mean, then that triggers, you know, mean behavior. Because Mm -hmm. she's like, that's just who I am. So I'm just going to be that way. Okay, now look at now let's look at the bottom of this question that was submitted. So she says um, that they also say the child is a stone wall to discipline and mostly mocks them, almost mocks them when she's being disciplined. Ha ha, interesting. Because she's mean. Yeah. Because she's mean. She's so, the mean child. Yeah, so Quote she's going to just, yeah, she's going to get all the attention she can out of that. And that's called seeking negative attention. So she has not been praised enough. She has not been taught how to really get her way. So she's just owning it, right? Yeah, well, and it could be that she's strong-willed. You know, there are plenty of strong-willed children out there. I am one of them, key prime example here. Um, but if done properly, if the proper correction and skills and principles are taught and taught consistently, then you can take that strong will and put it for good use. Yeah. Oh yeah. In fact, Paige, you are living proof of that. <laughs> oh, I thank you. And I think I am too, because I'm a very strong willed person. I don't think I would have done half the things I've done in my life. Um, you know, without this, I wouldn't even have taken on foster children if I wouldn't have been strong. Well, <laughs> I've been like, no, I got this. I can do, you know, <laughs> I think I can do anything anyway. So, um, yeah, so this, this child could just be a strong willed child. That's a really good insight because, you know, sometimes a parent thinks there's something wrong with a child when they're strong willed. And sometimes when the parent doesn't know how to handle it, and maybe they back down, maybe they fight for a minute, maybe they just, whatever, talk bad to the neighbor, I guess, then the child doesn't get the help they need. Yeah, it could so, be that the mom literally just doesn't know what to do with her, and so she does the only thing she knows how or that she's seen, and is trying to ask advice from people yeah. and by gossiping about it and being like, I don't know what to do. But yeah. then, you know, that doesn't help anyone in any way except you know this neighbor is taking initiative and asking someone who would know to address and to Mm -hmm. give some tips i love that that's so true so the parent probably needs skills 
the child needs skills. Because if the parent knew how to correct the child in a way that was not emotional, that wouldn't engage in that stonewall power struggle, but the child would have to be held accountable to it, wow, that would go yeah. the distance for that Well, parent. and it could be on the flip side. It could be that the mom is not wanting to take responsibility for her daughter's behaviors, and so she's blaming it on a label that she made up so that she doesn't have to take responsibility for her child's actions. Ooh, super good. That's true. That could definitely be happening because sometimes parents, you know, look for their excuse, right? Oh, it's just an excuse that she's Yeah, because most kids are a product of their parents' behaviors. It can be. Absolutely. So let's talk about what to do. Okay, so what what should be happening here in order to make a change? I think we hit on one really important one, which is know the skills. Know how to correct somebody. You know, there are certain skills. There's seven-step process that I go through when I correct somebody. You know, I describe just now, this is what happened. This is why it wasn't a good idea. This is what you should have done. This is what you've earned. And then let's practice it the right way. And in between all there, I'm throwing in praises like four or five. Okay, then they go and do whatever it is. Because they learn a skill called how to accept a consequence. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so they know how to be corrected. They go do it. They check back. We talk about it. We practice it the right way. I mean, this is how we correct things. But then parents say, yeah, yeah, but a real strong-willed child, they're not going to do that. Oh, yeah, you're right. They'll push it. (laughs) And so They'll push it more than your normal child. But as me as a prime example it will work out for their benefit. You just, the parent has to be consistent. Consistent. And they have to praise. Praise is huge. They have to know, the child has to know that they did something good and that the parent is noticing it so that they're not, so they don't continue to act out. Right. So cause and effect, right? You can't, you can't learn self-government unless you know cause and effect. That means you've got to know when you did something good. When exactly. something the right way, you got to praise it. You got to show this is the right way. You did a great job. You controlled yourself. You did this and this and this and this. That is important. Just like on the flip side of cause and effect, you have to correct it, right? When right. things don't go right. And when somebody goes completely out of control, we have a skill for that. We call it the rule of three if they're older. Um, if they're younger, they have a calm down place and then a correction type thing that happens afterward. So we have a plan in place and that's the biggest thing with consistency is a lot of people are not consistent because they don't have a plan, something they can fall on and use every time. And the children don't know what's coming. And so then the children's anxiety goes up. And Mm -hmm. so when you have a plan and when you have a whole system set forth for your family, there's no need for anxiety because everyone knows exactly what's going to happen in any given situation. Yeah. That's a good one. Okay. So we got to have our skills. We got to know exactly what to say. And if you need help with these skills, we've got Parenting a House United. The second edition just came out. So awesome. I'm excited about it. There's a course, Teaching Self-Government course that we have on teachingselfgovernment.com. There's plenty of places to learn the skills that you need to really be successful at this and to get help. But praising. Okay. So that's number two. Yeah. Praise I say we touched on that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Praise the positive. Um, and then with our correcting there's, there are better practices than others with how to correct. So public correcting can happen. I mean, Paige, I corrected you in public many times, but it wasn't to show something to the world or to the public people that were there. It was like, just for you, you know? No, it was actually to help me develop because sometimes if you leave it for later, the child forgets what behavior they did that, you know, caused something else to happen. 
Right. So, so immediate teaching can be productive, right? So um, you can correct someone in public. It's a good idea too. But here's the thing that if the ideal is to make every correction individualized, personal. And when I say individualized, I don't mean creative and you have to think up a new thing every time. I, in fact, you can use the same script and the same words all the time. But what I do mean is that you look at the person in the eyes. You think, I love you, I care, and I want to talk to you about something because this is going to help you, you know? Yeah, it's not like you yell at them in the grocery store and make all the other customers look and say, oh gosh, that child's in for it. Right, right, exactly. So that's huge to be able to correct a person individually. So, so focusing on making every correction, whether it's around other people or not, personal. And when you can at all do it, you pull them aside. I, I didn't believe in protecting my children from being corrected publicly because I felt like our, our communications were honest enough and non-emotional enough that we could definitely just say, oh, hey, just now I told you you need to do this, but you didn't. What you should have done is this. So you've earned an extra chore, go and do that. Okay. And it'd be like, okay. And I'd be like, hey, great job on accepting it. You know, and, and we could just have, it, it was just like regular conversation, you know? Um, but if you can't correct in public without worrying about what other people around are thinking, then you probably shouldn't correct as much in public. Well, and you shouldn't be worrying about what other people think as a parent anyway, because you know what your children need and whether you have the skills or not, you know, that's, it's your family. And it will ruin your consistency. It's if true. you care what other people think, it will ruin your consistency because you will start making decisions for your children and teaching your children based off, based off what, you, what you think other people around you are thinking about you or your child. And it doesn't and so matter. And you're performing. They're not part of your family. Yeah. Well, yeah. usually. <laughs> Sometimes they are. Yeah. <laughs> They're not That's part me. of the family that you're in charge of. <laughs> you don't really know what's going on in everybody's house. Okay. All right. So, so here's some things we've got. Know the skills. That's number one. Praising. Praise the positive. That's number two. You should praise your children six to ten times for every one time that you correct them. Hopefully, you listen to our last podcast, which was. I'm just saying, we just talked about this. <laughs> We're not going to go into that a ton right now. Okay. And then correcting, but making it personal. Okay. Making it personal. So it, this isn't an emotional thing. Don't take it personal. Don't take the problem personal, but make a personal bond with the person. Okay. So then number four, parent counseling sessions. Oh, these are the best. I love parent counseling sessions. Tell there's, us what they are. They're some of my favorite things growing up. So this was a time, it usually happened once a week, usually on a Sunday when both parents were home, where I got to sit down personally with mom and dad, just us three, and we got to talk about anything. And we got to talk about goals that I had for the week. Got to talk about, you know, as I got older. I that I had a you're talking about mentor sessions. Oh, you're so right. Just kidding. But those are good but, too. But mentor sessions and parent counseling sessions build on each other. So finish right. talking about mentor sessions. Yeah, sure. But parent counseling sessions are the separate ones that you do one-on-one -on -one with one thing on the fly. But Oh, yeah, yeah. Talking okay. about, finish talking <laughs> about mentor sessions, and then I'm going to hook them to the parent counseling because they do go together, okay? Cool. But yeah, so it was a time where I really got to connect with you and dad, and it was so nice because I felt like that was a time where you really took the time to understand me, and I was, you know, I felt safe enough to open up about any problems that I had, 
Um, and, you know, growing up, some are more severe than others um, and stuff like that. And so it was really awesome to just be able to connect with you guys and talk about things. And that's where, you know, no judgment zone, you know, when a child brings up something, um, your, you know, parents need to be very understanding, stuff like that. Um, but it's, it's a really good bonding, connecting time in the mentor sessions. Yes. Okay. So check mark that because that would be the next thing that follows the parent counseling session. So we got ahead of ourselves. <laughs> so that's okay. So number four was parent counseling session. Number five would be mentor session. And the mentor session is going to be the place where you check up on the progress that was planned out in the parent counseling session. So let me explain the difference between these two things. A parent counseling session is an individual meeting you have with the child where instead of talking about everything that's going on, like school stuff and social stuff and individual goals and every problems and stuff like that, um, like you would do in a mentor session, you just pick one thing and you say, okay, here's our one thing. We have one issue right now with you and this sibling, you're not getting along a lot. And there seems to be some, you know, boundary issues that are being crossed. We're sometimes hitting each other. We need to make a plan for how we're going to help fix this relationship with the two of you. And so you would come up with a plan and you might ask them something like, what do you think would motivate you to be kind to this you know, sibling that you have or whatever. And then they might say, well, you know, if I had to do an extra chore every time, or if I had to do 30 minutes of work every time that I hit somebody, then I wouldn't hit people anymore. Oh, okay. Well, that's great. That would, that's a perfect thing we can use to teach you cause and effect and to not cross that boundary. So you're going to make a plan there. Parents even sometimes pray with their children in parent counseling sessions, you know, determine that for your family and your child and what you think is best. Um, but we, it's a time where you talk about the freedom for that child. How can we help you have the most freedom and make a plan for your success? And you don't take anything personally and you don't like just attack the child for everything bad they've done. No, 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 no. It's very productive. And then you say, okay, now in our weekly mentor meeting, so that's step number five, okay? Weekly mentor meeting. So in our weekly mentor meeting, we are going to see how you're doing each week on this. On um, getting along with this the sibling better and on following through with this plan. And then if we need to adjust it, then we'll do it at that time. So this is the time where you decide what is going to be corrected, what's not going to be corrected, what are the negative consequences going to be? Maybe even what are the positive consequences going to be if somebody conquers something big? Maybe, you know, they conquer thumb sucking or they conquer, you know, swearing or some troublesome behavior that you're working on. And there's maybe a positive consequence for it not happening for a certain period of time that you could set up is as part of the parent counseling session and then follow through about it with the mentor sessions. And there are certain structures that we go through, especially for the mentor session. We have mentor journals, each of the children have and stuff like that, that go through that structure. Um, and we talk about those in the course and, and stuff like that. So we won't get into tons of that today. But those are the five things. Now, I want us to think for a minute on these five things. So skills, praising the positive, making the corrections personal, not public, having parent counseling sessions and mentor sessions, those five things. What, how do those five things apply to us? If we are going to motivate ourselves to change. So number one, the skills. 
Well, I think we, we have to be dedicated to using the skills. Oh yeah, but we've got to know them. If mm-hmm. you don't even know how to accept a no answer, you're not going to give yourself a no answer and have it stick. It's true. And it's hard, especially when that chocolate bar looks really good. Wait, why are you talking about chocolate right Sorry. now? That sounds too good. Don't do that. I'll have to go make black bean brownies. <laughs> Drink water. Try that. <laughs> yes, that's very good advice. Okay, now we found the weakness. Chocolate, especially the dark kind. Ah, okay. <laughs> so anyway, um, so yeah, you need to know the skills for yourself. Give yourself the no answer and know how to accept it. And then what do you do after? You praise yourself. You, you see, look at me. I did it. I actually had to do that. Was huh. it yesterday? Because I've uh, just moved into a new place and I've been getting stuff to fix it up. I'm like, wait, I only have this much money. Okay, I can't get that right now. <gasps> Delayed gratification. Yeah. Delayed and so then I, gratification. <laughs> then I came back and I told my fiance, I'm like, I want you to be proud of me. I bought some new things for the apartment, but I put some things back because I knew I couldn't get them yet. He's like, I am so proud of you. <laughs> We've been like, working I on my spending habits. all the more. <laughs> Delayed gratification is the sign of a self-governed person. Well, one of the signs. Amen. Okay. Love that. All right. Um, so then you, if you have to correct yourself instead of praise yourself, then you would do a correction. And you would tell yourself, it's okay, this is what happened, but how are we going to fix it for the future, right? You might have yourself a little planning session before all of this, especially if you're just noticing uh, a problem. So you might have a little Mm -hmm. parent counseling session with yourself. And then you're going to have some checkup times. There you go. That is what motivates a person to change. Teach them that they can do it. Give them the skills that they need. Be consistent with teaching them cause and effect. But they have to have an open heart. And mm-hmm. I think that's an important thing. You have to have an open heart for changing yourself. Oh, they yeah. Have to it, have an open so a lot heart of changing humility themselves. happens there. Yeah. And a parent might say, yeah, but my child doesn't have an open heart. But here's the thing that you got on your side. It's called time. You are the parent. They are the child. You guys are pretty much stuck together for a while. And so what you do is you just go for the skills and the consistency and the meetings and the planning, even if their heart's not there yet. Sometimes they will just make the change and then their heart will see that was the right thing to do. Well, and a lot of times when parents say that, it's because they're trying to enforce certain behaviors without showing love to the child. Mm. That's true because the tone makes all the difference. Oh, it so does. I can talk to somebody about their behavior like I can go to a person's house and they'll say, this child is so ugh, just terrible, blah, blah. They're the one. They're going to be so hard. And I'll sit down and I'll meet with that 15-year-old girl or that 16-year-old boy. And I'll just say, okay, so t- tell me what's going on. What is it that your parents do that drive you crazy? I got to hear it. <laughs> you know? And I'll say, and I'll say okay, tell me, tell me what, what is it that you really do? You know, you shouldn't be doing it. Come on. Let's just talk about it because, like, we got to figure out a way for this to get less painful for everybody. And when they see that I am just, like, on the level, like, I'm not judging anybody. I'm like, let's just hear what's happening so we can figure it out. They just open up. They're like, I trust this lady. She's not trying to play Because you show you care. You're not trying to judge them or trying to fix them. You're trying to, you know, help them. Yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, yeah, so I get to do that sometimes. It's kind of fun. And, and it makes a difference. <laughs> that tone, Paige, I'm glad you brought up that tone because that really does make a difference. How you feel when you're doing the teaching and the correcting and the praising and the mentor sessions. If you're feeling stressed and worried and you want to make it, then it's not going to go well. Nope. 
It's not, you got to be okay. You got to trust they can change. It's okay. Even if they've got a problem, you know, people have told me some pretty intense problems over the years and I just go, okay, that's where we're at now. Let's figure out what to go from here. I mean, that's Maybe all. That's you can why do. a lot of my life is on the fly. <laughs> like, yeah, I have a plan, but a lot of it's spontaneous. <laughs> well, to be fair, you were raised by live in the moment spontaneous his parents so yes. there is that Both of you we are. sort of just put that into you and whether some people like it or not that is the way we are but when it comes to the way that I'm going to problem solve with my family and the way that I'm oh, going to feel in my family that's planned I'm not just going to fly by the seat of my pants on that it's too important mm-hmm. but when it comes to what we're going to eat for dinner I mean to be fair I don't even know what I'm going to eat today for dinner so I'm not a good meal planner I mean, we always have good meals, but that doesn't mean I plan them way ahead of time. But when it comes to the other stuff, you know, the relationships with the family, I I put that. Usually it's whatever's in the fridge and it goes into a soup. I love fridge soup. I might have to make that today. (laughs) Anyway, awesome. Well, this is what motivates people to change really, okay? When we get right down to it, it's these things. It's not like brain science here. We're talking about just basic things that we can do to change our own hearts and change, change other people's hearts. Now, there's more to it with relationships and stuff. And of course, skills training is vital. But this is in a nutshell really what's required. So let's not do that thing where we compare people to other people, especially publicly. Let's save our children the grief of being labeled and and developing an identity that is negative about themselves. What a hard life they're in for if they have that going on. Let's yes, because try labels to help them don't help. help. Yeah, they really don't. Anyway, thank you everyone for joining us on the Teaching Self-Government podcast to talk about what motivates people to change. And if you want to find out more about self-government, you can go to teachingselfgovernment.com and we will talk to you again about something else amazing, I don't know what yet, <laughs> next time. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.